Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here with The Pure Now Show. This is episode number 16. My guest today is Vladislav Solovjov. Vlad is originally from St. Petersburg, Russia, and is now living in the UK, working for The Mill. He is a very talented art director and CG artist who's worked with clients like Nike, Mercedes, and Red Bull. Here we go. Hey, Vlad. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? <laughs> I am really well, thank you. Much appreciate you coming on the Pure Now show. Uh, it's an honor to have you on. Uh, another guest from across the pond. Yeah. Seems to be a lot of talent over there in the UK. And uh, uh, we're really happy to have you on. The Likewise. Um, I'm really happy to be on the, on the, on the show. So it's, it's, it's a great honor to be here. Thank you for wow. these invitations. It's our honor, man. Yeah, of course, of course. So interesting, right? You're are you from Saint Petersburg, Russia, originally? Yeah, originally from Russia, born and raised, like uh, bones and blood, like old Russian. And 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 when did when did these bones and blood come into being? What year were you born? I'm curious. Um, 1992. So I'm 29 years old. Okay. 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 Yeah. You're you're still young, a super young, young guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know how green you are. You've been doing the CGI <laughs> thing for over a decade, right? Yeah, for twelve years since uh, I was since seventeen years old. So when I was back in college in Russia, uh, studying uh, software development, uh, software engineering, I started using uh, After Effects a little bit of um, of Cinema 4D. So yeah, I think twelve years. If if my calculations are correct. Well, you're an award-winning multidisciplinary CGI artist, animator. Your reel is insane. Uh, the detail, the clients that you work with, uh, the caliber of work uh, that you produce is really quite beautiful, and uh, that's why you're on the show. You're an exceptionally talented guy, and uh, we're we're big fans of your work, man. Thank you very much. So. My, much appreciated. Uh, it has been a long journey. Well, let's talk about that. It, this is this show is all about the journey, and let's go back to Russia, and uh, that spark, that that event, whatever that was, that uh, inspired you to go in this direction. What was your childhood like, and what was that event that uh, steered you in the creative direction and got you? Uh, interested and fired up about uh, doing CG work? Oh, I think it's it's really interesting question because every time I answer this question, I can reassess my uh, childhood memories. Uh, I think everything started from uh, the moment when my father brought a few VHS cassettes from the VHS rent re rentals. You know, like for when you take the cassettes for 24 hours and you bring it back in the next day. So uh, that was the moment when I uh, started enjoying the film industry, like the Aliens, Terminator movies, uh, such uh, something really impressive sci-fi movies. This is what started driving me a lot, but uh, when I was six years old, honestly, I didn't know that I would ever start doing anything for the films, for the computer graphics, but this is uh, probably the, the moment that, you know, um, started ringing the, the bell in my head that I really like something like this. Uh, I think maybe 10 years after when I started uh, my education in the college when I was uh, studying uh, computer development, software development, engineering and everything, I, um, I found out a few tutorials for Photoshop After Effects. I think these, uh, these two programs actually started my um, my career as a hobby and the far I went the far I started enjoying like you know the more you do the, the more you enjoy what you're doing so I think in 2009 was the in the year when I started learning motion graphics and motion design so I think that was uh, the um, the starting point for everything in 2010, I watched the movie Tron Legacy, it's like extremely beautiful film, uh, directed by the uh, the designer, architect, who became a director. This movie basically became my main 
uh, reference and inspiration for everything because I wanted to create something like in this movie, Tron Legacy. So then I downloaded Cinema 4D and here we go. Uh, 12 years after I still do what I've been doing for 12 years, I still love it very, very much. Well, let's talk about how you entered the professional realm. You see this movie, you're blown away. It, 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 yeah. it sparks your passion. It's what you, you see what you want to do through somebody else's work. What took you to the next level? What got you into starting to produce work, get seen, and create a, a, an entire career for yourself? I think 2011, the moment when I uh, finally started accepting first freelance projects, uh, like the moment when you start not only enjoying your hobby, but also making money uh, with what you do, like probably the first money I received on my bank accounts like, made me feel this all elevated me emotionally because I knew that from this uh, moment I can also build a career around this hobby and not start enjoying it as, as a hobby but also something more professional. So since then even more and more um, projects started uh, coming through my email. So I think I think that was the moment when I realized that I would like uh, to pursue my career and also to start working as a professional and learning even more because uh, receiving um, like uh, um, really nice comments from your friends is not enough. It wasn't enough for me because I needed something more serious, you know. Also, I had really um, demanding family, my mother and father. They couldn't understand what I was doing in my spare time. They were, they were like, hey, we don't understand what are, what you're doing. How can you make money? It's not professional. You're already a, a software developer. You can progress on this. Why do you need to start something new from scratch? And probably it also ignited me from from inside. And I want also to prove that something real. I can make something with this. Um, maybe proving my points also helped me to, to kick my career off. Yeah, I'm sure they were part of your inspiration. It's sometimes having that negative push yeah. exacerbates the hunger to prove everybody wrong and uh, and really gives you that momentum to go after what you really want so when did you when did you leave russia and and what was how did that come about it's uh, it's really interesting because i remember 2018 that was uh, the year when i left russia but before leaving russia i started receiving one of the biggest projects in my life and i think that was like a really happy coincidence for me because the projects uh, my uh, future like employers started referring to were done uh, like for such clients as Nike, uh, video co-pilot with Andrew Kramer and with other clients. So it was, it, hap it all happened simultaneously in parallel at the same time. And when Rurock, the company I still work for and uh, live in the UK and communicate on a daily basis, these guys uh, reached me out uh, over the email and asked me if I was interested uh, to join their project. I was, oh, like apparently I was really excited so I accepted this job offer and started working with them remotely as a freelancer and after a few months of our collaboration they gave me a job offer. I was really thrilled and excited so I accepted this job offer and finally after all moved uh, had moved to the UK. So here, here I am, uh, living in the UK for almost three or three years. You're listening to The Pure Now Show, a creative podcast for creatives presented by Balance. So, yeah. so your, your move is just recent. You, you left in 2018. Let's talk about, you know, the kind yeah. of experiences you had in Russia that led up to that. So I know that uh, you did a lot of freelance work which I would imagine helped build your portfolio, got you some recognition, got you the experience you needed so you could move up the professional ladder of uh, being able to get those better jobs. Let's talk about some of your early work, um, what kind of opportunities were presented to you and how did that start building your portfolio 
so you could get to where you are now? Um, I think the most exciting, uh, the first exciting and probably the most complicated uh, at this time project I received was uh, for Nike. So the company has the new campaign for for their new collection of football shoes or soccer shoes, if you're an American, um, and they uh, they created the new sole that would repel dirt and mud. So basically, if you have really bad uh, weather conditions, having a game, you you won't be stuck in you know in mud and in dirt. That was quite a complicated task. So I uh, collaborated with the studio from New York. These guys wrote to me, asked me if I would be happy to join the project. I was so excited because that was probably the first and the biggest clients I would ever could work for. Sure. At the, at, but this moment, it was uh, probably the biggest clients on my list. So definitely I decided to, um, to accept this offer and collaborate for, for the next month with the studio. That was probably uh, the most intense month in my life. Uh, working maybe 17 hours per day, maybe 18, sleeping just four or five hours, waking up at seven o'clock because it's same pace, but time difference, time zones. So I wake up and I already needed to start working in order to have a phone call with New York. So it was quite demanding and intense. But when I done this project, I was so, so proud of myself because I knew that I could work for someone bigger than just, you know, the local market in Russia. And so that was the, the, not only the boiling point for my, you know, like for my mentality, but also the starting point for my international career, not just the local market. And since then I started collaborating even more and more and more with uh, the international clients, like with Mercedes, with THX, Prolog Films, uh, with different studios from Europe, even from uh, from China, from Australia, from around the world, and um, I'm, I'm still loving it. I still I still enjoy what I do. So I think working with the client is one of the most exciting parts of our job. This human communication, trying to help the client to bring all his ideas to life and help his products and products evolve and become even better. This is what I like about my work. Well, let's talk about that, Vlad, because, yeah, you worked for Nike and you had this premier client to work with and produce work for. And um, I'm sure it was an incredible learning lesson for you, an opportunity for you to see how hard you have to work in the future uh, to get the job done, all the hours you had to put in, all the different trial and error and you know, client back and forth, the whole game uh, on the highest level possible. <clears throat> However, it's not always fun to work with clients because not every job is perfect. Not every job is smooth. And I'm interested to know how your education, as it were, came to be when there were some projects that were not as smooth going that were more complicated that were not as easy to please the client give me an idea of a job that didn't go all that well but on the other side you know obviously you we learn i mean everything is a learning opportunity there is no you know good and bad is just a a, a subjective matter of your experience but get, give us an idea of, of uh, a project you worked on where uh, there were some unexpected challenges that uh, you were maybe not quite mm -hmm. prepared for, but in the end, you know, things work out as they do. Oh, I think um, in, uh, during my career, I didn't have too many like bad uh, like products, but I still have a few like uh, uh, jobs I've done for a couple of clients when I could say that, yeah, this is, that was tough emotionally and quite soul draining. But all these projects became quite um, um, thought provoking for myself to to rethink what I could do differently. There was a client from Russia, and there is one more client from from abroad. I don't remember, but I would like to drop all the names. I will be just talking about the experience. Oh yeah, there's no that's not um, necessary. Yeah. Usually the usually um, all of these difficulties come from uh, miscommunication. 
when the client has his own vision and his own expectations and due to like some certain problems or just uh, uh, soft skills he or me or I we couldn't communicate properly together and just to deliver this point of view as clear as possible um, usually the clients expect uh, do a lot um, within their task and pay less that's uh, probably one of the like well-known problems uh, like in our in our market that's what I think. That's how I can put it together. Uh, it's also hard sometimes to explain to the clients what is achievable within the given time frame deadline, or what is not, because uh, um, people don't know how all these things work. Um, they think that it's really easy to just press one button and you will get the result immediately next day. That is why they can come to you with uh, last time, last minute decisions. They can change their point of view, they can change the briefing and everything. That's why it was uh, really important to me to realize that every contract, uh, no, every at the project, every collaboration you have with a new client, you have to bound it with the contracts and work within the agreed uh, contracts. It's um, that was um, really hard to work with some clients without the contract at all. You basically need to trust the person that well, at the moment when you get done the pro uh, get the project done, you'll be paid at the end. But you cannot be one hundred percent sure that he will keep his promise. And also, it was sometimes quite stressful to keep chasing clients and asking them, you know, sometimes even begging to send you money because sometimes you can uh, have like bad experience in your life. You need money and you need money as soon as possible. But unfortunately, not all people can be as honest and as good as you, as yourself. That's why it's uh, really important to sign the contract. I think that's, that's the lesson I have learned at the end. So to just have contracts black and white, bright as day, and just explain everything to the clients and uh, to discuss everything in, in the very beginning. Because the far you go working on the projects, the higher the expectations from the clients are. Because they think that you probably would work more within the projects. Right. So I think miscommunication is uh, the, the key problem. Yeah. Well, and, and having a, a clear brief and, and having expectations really written out and agreed upon, you know, as a safety net for both the client, you know, and the talent, of course, you know, you want to protect both of you. You want to be able to deliver what it is that is expected of you. And, and you want the client to be a good client as much as they want you to be uh, excellent talent. So it is a, an agreement that, uh, that becomes honorable and based on both parties wanting to achieve success you know, to get to that goal, to deliver that project on time, on budget, to exceed expectations. And uh, what, what's interesting to me is knowing that the marketplace uh, in Russia, where you spent most of your time in your life, and then to start working more internationally. Uh, what did you notice working at home, working with smaller clients, uh, not as big a project, um, different kind of a demand level, uh, maybe a different kind of business savvy, even a different expectation. How how did working at home in in Russia prepare you to go on the outside and start working with some more significant clients with maybe more uh, complex situations? Oh, I honestly I really like this topic because I think it's um, um, it's a well known. Uh, facts that Russian people like you know from Belarus from Ukraine these guys work Are ready to work their asses off. They can work really really hard for less money. Yeah, that's that's the fact like uh, the salary level wages in Russia are way lower than even in Germany I don't even sort of speak about uh, the United States or United, uh, the United Kingdom That's why there are so many studios uh, that's come to the Russian designers, visual effects artists, because we can do more for less money. And this is really beneficial for us because we definitely can get a lot of job. And we also 
I don't know. Probably it's also the mat a matter of mentality. Like in Russian, uh, in, in our Russian world, in our mentality, if we give promise, if we give words, we try to uh, make it happen. We'll try to keep our word for as long as possible. Uh, I think this is what also helped me to reach the, uh, this professional level because I try to do everything from motion graphics to rendering, lighting, texturing, post-production, sometimes even sound editing. So it's not just, you know, moving pixels uh, in After Effects or in Cinema 4D. I try to success, succeed in everything. And this is what's helped me to become who I am, because I, I know that daily rates, uh, let's say in the US or in the United Kingdom, can be really high. But from what I could see, sometimes people do two times less job than Russian people. Uh, because I also had to rethink how I would be managing my budgets, my fees. Unfortunately, in Russia, uh, the market is not that well developed as in the US. That's why uh, all these details are well hidden. It's really hard to understand who you are in this world of motion design. As, uh, as soon as I started floating on the international market, I started learning more and more understanding how, how, how great and big this world of motion graphics and CG is. Because Russia is just little piece, you know, like a little seed uh, in the huge ocean. Yeah, but I think Russian people are really talented. Uh, if you ever come to Moscow and visit like uh, computer graphic events, Russian people are absolutely crazy about uh, motion graphics design. They are so hardcore. They know Blender, 3ds Max, Maya, Cinema 4D, everything. So I think it, that, that's what helps us Russian people to succeed. Yeah, I, um, I think I'm 100% honest. You're listening to The Pure Now Show, a creative podcast for creatives presented by Balance. Well, I think that's part of it is a, uh, a personal and professional integrity, a different kind of a hunger uh, and ambition. And, yeah. uh, you know, you're kind of like the, uh, the uh, indie of IT except for creative, where, you know, you can get a great deal and you're going to get incredible value and uh, a fantastic product. And now, you know, this kind of leads us into the whole COVID conversation, which is, you know, being able to work remotely, which has been around a long time, of course. But, you know, this new situation with the pandemic has really forced the hand of big clients where they had the luxury of being able to bring talent in and and uh, work on site. Um, I would imagine even though you're working full time right now, you know, you were working freelance for a while. Um, how have you seen that change and how has this particular um, pandemic situation affected you personally and how you produce work? Honestly, I think that I started working even more during the, the pandemic. <laughs> I think it's a common situation in, like in our modern world because people think that you sit at home, you don't need to travel, you don't need to commute to work. You don't spend a lot of time outside of uh, your home. That's why you can con concentrate more. And also, probably the pandemic made companies adapt uh, at, um, in terms of business, how they work, how they deal uh, with products, how they manage everything. So I think my workloads uh, doubled uh, during the pandemic. So I started working even more. So last... Uh, as you may know, I've just got back from my holiday, from my vacation. Uh, it was my the only vacation I had for the last two for the last two years. This is how, what the pandemic uh, made me do. So I started working even more. But I think the pandemic itself, uh, speaking of the progression, how people can learn something new, actually helped me because I started learning something new. I could see people evolving. Uh, get a new education because now you can get a master's degree, uh, bachelor degree, any education online. You can get everything you want uh, sitting from home. I think this is this is the new era of um, online education. There are so many platforms, so many technologies, sound cancellation, 
everything. So that's what I like about uh, the pandemic. It makes people adapt finally. And it also uh, is reflected in the business, in our business company as well, because uh, uh, shipments, for example, we as the company produces helmets for snow sports or for motorcycles, uh, they started changing uh, like the way of thinking and how you would be delivering the products uh, given the, the issues uh, due, due to the pandemic. Because you can't just, you know, use the, the ships, you can't use the cargo, you can't use the airplane. What, how will you assess it? So I think it's a, it's, a, it's a big question, really big problem for the companies. But I think also at the same time, it's uh, just been a good time to learn something new. Good time to learn. Yeah, and I think this is, this is a recurring um, conversation with a, a similar feel which is because we're talking specifically about the creative industry where there's a lot of latitude and flexibility to grow uh, regardless of what the situation is this particular situation really has given that opportunity to even a lot of younger people who are just starting out um, more ability to learn more which I want to talk to you about I want to talk to you about um, you know starting off young and and now that you have a, a lot of experience, you know, you got a dozen years under your belt. Um, and even though you're still young and you're still learning and growing, um, uh, there are young people that are just starting right now who were where you were, you know, back when you were, you know, 15, 18 years old, discovering Photoshop yeah. and After Effects for the first time, except now there's so much more and everybody's already online. And so this information is readily available and people clearly have a lot of free time to hone their skills and learn new software. Um, with all the experience that you've gained over the past 12 years, what kind of advice would you give for younger people that are just starting out in this business now, no matter where they are in the world, and how to leverage this opportunity to really do a deep dive into some of the latest uh, software developments and become as value as possible. Because back in the day, you know, even when I was a graphic designer, you had people that just knew Quark Express. You had people that just yeah. knew Photoshop. Everybody was a specialist. Now the expectation is, you know, we need someone who can animate, do CGI, write a script, manage the client, yeah. You know, they want an all-in-one package kind of deal. And, uh, and you know, it's not easy to be great at everything. I mean, you can be good at a lot of things at one time, but to be great at everything is, is quite challenging. So uh, and now the client expectations have risen. Uh, some budgets have dropped. You know, people are pumping out a lot of content for social media campaigns because that seems to be where... Everybody's driving their marketing dollars. Um, what are you going to recommend? What, is your, what are your recommendations for young people who are coming into the marketplace now, want to be successful? What do they need to know? I think the, the main lesson I've learned is no pain, no gain. Because you need to work hard to learn a lot. Because I think uh, also there is like a misconception in some people's minds because they think that they can just uh, uh, finish a few boot camps or a few courses and here they are the motion designers they would get uh, great clients just like this it's not that easy because i think the most complicated thing about motion graphics that our industry is really complex there are so many aspects you need to learn speaking of animation there is like timing design uh, shape form size scale um, even like air, air perspective, uh, the color, color management, color theory, everything, even editing and camera, uh, cinematography. Um, if we talk about 3D graphics, there are so many, many aspects, I can't even count them all. And I think that uh, just, you know, setting the the target in your head is not enough these days because you need to work really, really hard. I think the, the most uh, 
a frustrating thing these days is that motion graphics and 3D became really uh, really to access for like everyone. And it also a big problem for, for myself because I can see how 17 years old guys and yesterday students or schoolboys started doing amazing content in Blender, let's say. They can just watch a lot of content on YouTube, on Vmail, buy a few courses and here they are, they already can model something. But what would bring clients to you, this is the most important thing because you can just uh, learn, learn, learn with no progression. I think style is what makes uh, artists unique and uh, what makes them stand out in the crowd of our, of, of other 1,000 people. So I think style is, is really important because you can't just, you know, slam the door, knock on the door and tell client that you are unique. You need to prove the client that you are the right person to work, to work with. I think proving the clients the point that you're worth, worth working with. Just, you know, getting the job became not that easy because uh, clients expect more, as you said. The expectations have reason and uh, the amount of uh, content and skills you need to have and keep up th with this level of expectations, probably the most difficult. Yeah, but because I still think that it's it's not that easy to just concentrate on something, uh, just on let's say on editing or sound design, because the amount of work you can rely on and get on uh, is not that much. So if you're just the young, if you're green, you just started, you need to smash, just crack on every day, learn something new. Uh, Puts a lot of content on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Art Station, CG Society. Uh, oh my God! Like, like Twitter. Twitter is one of the main platforms now for NFT art, and people and motion designers haven't haven't used it before, so it's something new. They had to learn from scratch how to attract clients, collectors to your portfolio. So just be on the same page every day with the new technology. I think that's really important. You're listening to The Pure Now Show, a creative podcast for creatives presented by Balance. Can you give us a little crash course on NFT? Uh, you know, this is a new, a whole new thing. Uh, even Hi Ha is getting involved with that. He's a digital illustrator. And um, uh, and I, it's a it's a new portal for generating revenue for selling your art um, and it's come out of kind of nowhere but it seems uh, timely and appropriate is this something that you are participating in and have had some success with I would like to participate but I can't say that I have a lot of uh, success in this because as any uh, as, as any new movement you need time to adapt and start uh, to learn something new. Unfortunately, NFT takes a lot of time because you need to manage your social networks, promote your work. Also, you need to raise funds before you apply your job because there are so many tra hidden transaction fees just to, you know, uh, to put your work online. So you will be, you will be paying for gas fee, transaction fees, or, or any hidden. Um, transactions for like every for any platform so basically let's say if you want to put the work online on Rarible or OpenSea foundation and you expect a girl to raise $300 you would be spending uh, around 150 for each of your piece of artwork and when you get this money, you would need to withdraw this money and you also would be paying for transaction fees. So the revenue you would be getting from one piece of artwork is not that high. That is why uh, to build these uh, demands and bring guys who would be ready to pay more for your artwork, you, you need to be a really, really well known, successful with good name on this market. I think this is uh, the most important thing because people think that they create an art, they upload it and they would get money. This is not that easy because not everything can be sold very easily and uh, make money from nowhere, as you said. Uh, what I think about people and other artists, they were popular before the NFT movements. 
they were successful and, uh, and have worked for major clients before. So it's, it just didn't bring them this success uh, from the middle of nowhere. They were successful before, and this is the key feature. This is the key point of everything. You need to become someone before selling really great art and raising, I don't know, thousands of dollars. This is what I can see, and it, it's really time consuming. Right. It's really important to just keep up and do everything, something every day. This is what I'm not ready to do at the moment. I'm not ready to start from scratch doing something new. I have so much stuff to do during my work days. So well, maybe maybe one day in the, in the near future. Well, let's talk about where the industry is going. The, the speed of time seems to be doubling, you know, every year. It's incredible how fast things are moving. I mean, I know theoretically, scientifically, after you turn 20, Literally, time doubles in speed. But the way the world is working now and moving, it's moving at lightning speed all the time for everybody. And, um, and that means a lot of change is occurring quickly. Now, we're in this window. We talked about the pandemic, which has kind of forced a lot of change in uh, production. You know, live action got killed during the pandemic which I think boosted a lot of digital content. It's why Balance has been super busy uh, during this time. Uh, there's virtual productions. Uh, that's starting to come into view that, that was not as popular before. So a lot of things are changing on the fly. What do you see? Because you know once these new behavior patterns set in, this new way of doing business, that's not gonna go, we don't go back. You know, Once you know something, you can't unknow something. So we need to move yeah. forward with whatever this is that we're engaged in now. What do you see like in the next five years of uh, how this industry is changing and, and where it could possibly be going? I think that's um, like the technology uh, it's, like itself has changed everything. Um, now we have performance, we have GPU cards and we can render absolutely everything. Something you would be rendering like for ages for, let's say, the Jurassic Park, Park movie back in 1993 would, would be really hard to imagine these days. Now we can render it just in one, in one minute. This is how easy it is to get done on your computer. And this is what uh, had brought the new way of thinking, because I think that you, you as, a, as an artist, I started concentrating more on design aspects direction and art direction. You can't just uh, impress someone with great explosions. You can create an explosion in Houdini clicking just one single button. There is like a pyro object, you click it and boom, you have an explosion. Second click, you can export it as a VDB file and render it wherever you want. Blender, SIMA 4D, doesn't matter. And boom, you already can create an independent movie just on your own, sitting at home. That's why the this has created uh, the new paradigm of thinking. You need to concentrate on art to create something, you know, timeless. Because uh, I was uh, thinking about good direction, good design. Good sense of, of taste, of direction is timeless. For example, if I watched a movie from back, like from 1980, let's say The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's movie, it has zero computer graphics, but it still is looking terrifying and exciting, even into 2021. But what guy, guys had created, let's say in 2007, doesn't look, look that, that good because not everyone is ready to, to put something more in these computer graphics. This is what I try to change in my own career, to prove myself that I need to direct more to become like proper art director or creative director. This is what is timeless. If you see, if you remember, remember like adverts for Nike uh, basketball from 2001, I remember this campaign. It still looks uh, amazing and it, uh, it doesn't have any CG at all. All the, the commercials for sneakers or for Nike with, uh, with the football players when the when the soccer field started transforming something new, it looks amazing because direction 
and design is there, are there. This is the most important for the next five years. We have VR, we have AI, NFT. I don't, I don't even want to think what, what's going to happen next. I would just recommend guys uh, to start thinking more about design and direction, just not just visuals, but some to put something inside, put something more, uh, like your idea, your emotions, uh, and your vision. Just create your vision. This is what I try to do myself, and what I would recommend to anyone. Well, it's interesting that you know you brought you brought up uh, movies from you know the '80s, you know the '70s and '80s and '90s. There was not a lot of 3D. There was not a lot of motion graphics at the time, but there was high quality production. There was incredible scripts, fantastic acting, great storytelling, and I think a lot of that has gone away. And we have relied heavily on technology uh, as almost a distraction from the weakness in the creative. And um, yeah. I think people are hungry for that narrative. They want that incredibly high-level creativity back again. Because we've seen, we've seen almost everything, right? I mean, what what visually can you do for us now? that is completely unexpected. It's all about, you know, application of where, like we're all looking at our phones, we're looking at screens that are, you know, four by five inches and, you know, we've reduced yeah. the experience down to such a small spectrum. When we all used to go to the movies and it was exciting and the big screen and the big sound yeah. and it wasn't the effects. I mean, you had Star Wars. I saw Star Wars in a drive-in movie theater when I was 12 years old and listened to it through a metal speaker hanging off of my window in my parents' car. Yeah. But it was still the most, maybe one of the most incredible visual experiences of my entire life. Now we are just in a barrage of content development. There's just inundation of every human, be every human being of content 24 hours a day on every social media uh, format. How does the cream rise to the top? How do you stay focused and, and create things of value, things that are unique, that are beautiful, that are thoughtful, that are more touching the human experience when there's so much garbage out there at the same time? I agree. Because I think um, the, the turning point when I started uh, thinking about what I can change in my career, because now I can uh, create the the particle simulation just in a matter of seconds. That's how easy it is. You have so many plugins that can easy uh, speed up your your work pipeline. You don't need to do much. There is like software that is ready to do everything for you for you only. I don't even speak speak about uh, like the, the movie industry. I I do remember this movie experience uh, of like early 90s when I was watching VHS cassettes this is that's why I started uh, my speech uh, from this moment because Terminator The Judgment Day it still holds up it looks impressive even now uh, pyrotechnics real explosions real actors animatronics all of that looks more more con uh, more convincing I was convinced that this Terminator was like actual liquid. Now I'm watching the new Terminator. I can definitely can say, oh, it's ECG, ECG. They they just replaced his hands, but back in 1992, it was like proper animatronics connected to the arm of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's why it looked real. It looked um, some like something palpable. This is what is lacking now in modern CG graphics. In computer graphics, this is what I try also to change in my experience to combine to do not only computer graphics but also tie it with real life footage to make this transition between between CG and real footage um, almost seamless. This is what is lacking now in like modern movies because people think that they can change everything on post, but what you can change on post is the, is the main plot, plot twist. The script writing, you can change it. You can change only the visuals, but people go to the movies to see the story, to to feel this connection with the character. Uh, it also works the same way with computer graphics. 
I don't remember many show reels, but I do remember a few short films back from 2010 when Vimeo just started, you know, becoming like really, really popular. And they even has their um, huge events. It's like Oscars, the Oscars for the motion graphics. And I remember absolutely simple motion graphics, but what I could feel is way more important. This is what I tried to change. I also started working my short film researcher I do remember this um, this response from the public when I uh, posted my uh, first part of this short film. People were absolutely impressed with the visuals, but a few people were waiting for something more, like the script writing. This is what I did realize that I need to pay attention to the story. I can't just create a beautiful looking spaceship or a character animation. I need to bring the story in this movie, in this short film because this is what will make people come back to the short film and rewatch it over and over again. Because I can't create something only for the CG professionals, I, can, I should create something for, for the publics, for just normal people who, who don't know anything about the computer graphics. Right. And this is the most um, difficult part. This is what I would like to achieve in my career. You're listening to The Pure Now Show. A creative podcast for creatives presented by Balance. So you've been in the UK for three years. What what are some of the advantages of not being in Russia now, being in an entirely different culture? What are some of the disadvantages of being away from home? Uh, the main advantages, uh, I would say that you, you learn something new every day. The mentality, the way people speak, different accents. I try to uh, shift my uh, life from my daily workloads to something more real. I bought a photo camera. I try to take photos of London, just enjoy what I have uh, surrounding me every day, because this is the most exciting. This is what I would remember, not all these particles I simulate every day. I can simulate them really easily in the most beautiful way, but this is not what be, would be driving me. Um, for example, English people, they are so amazing. Uh, their mentality is so different from what I could see in Russia. It's a new life lesson I had to learn from scratch. The small talks, like small talks is like, is something new uh, for, for a Russian person. We don't have small talks in Russia, right. but you don't do have it in uh, the US, in, in the UK, uh, just speaking about, talking about nothing. You just talk about something, about weather, about how was your holiday, your weekend. This is impressive because you spend three, three, three minutes just enjoying a short talk with someone and it really brings smile to my face every time I start talking to someone in, like, in, in a corner shop uh, or in, on the airplane. This is what I really, really like about the UK, just how it has changed the way of thinking, the way of communicating uh, with people. Besides becoming more open-minded, tolerance to many, many uh, aspects of my life and so on and so on. I think living abroad um, has changed everything. Well, it's great that you got to do this while you're young. So you have many years left to go to learn and, and grow and, and get some more international experience. Um, here's a kooky question for you. If you were not able to do what you do at all, like you couldn't, you were not a computer guy, you were not a creative guy, it was all snatched away from you, what would you be interested in doing with your life? If you could not be a CG artist, you could not be an art director, you could not be a creative director, you had no attachment to what you're doing now, what other field are you interested in? What what would you potentially do for the rest of your life if you had to do something else? Writing music. I think it's a really amazing question because this is what I finally had started doing just a, a couple of months ago. I also was interested in music uh, during my uh, school days, back in school 2006. I was thinking about what if I become a musician? And this is what I started doing in parallel, like it's my new hobby. I really like writing music. Um, I think, if not computer graphics, I would try to become a musician. Because uh, for me, music is, is as strong as experience as the visual experience. 
because it's I we we have a few senses and not only visual expense, uh, experience but also what people can hear because music makes me feel great it makes me feel um, it, it helps me to reload my brain and this is what I would try to help people achieve like to bring this audio experience I think yeah being a musician would be a really amazing do you play an instrument of any kind key keyboard uh, I have a MIDI keyboard uh, in St. Petersburg I bought in 2009 it's like um, four octaves um, audio, uh, a audio yeah uh, midi k rig 49 I s the plastic is already yellow but when I come back to home to St. Petersburg to my own flat and I see this keyboard it reminds me of my other hobby I realized uh, 10 years ago and, I and now during the pandemic I was started thinking about what I can do else because I wouldn't like to, to feel stuck in motion graphics for the rest of my life so I think I would start learning music uh, the theory of music, of uh, of tempo, of different instruments, uh, electronic music. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll do it for sure. Like one hundred percent. Cool, man. Well, Vlad, it's been a lot of fun chatting with you. Really appreciate you taking some time out of your day, working very hard, and then jumping on a call with me. Uh, wish you all the best, and uh, hope we can jump on a call again in the future. And uh, it's really great to talk to you, man. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for inviting me. I think that was an impressive phone call. That was nice to see you, to meet you. Uh, my pleasure. Like, likewise, what I can say. Well, what a chat. What a day. Mm. Cheers, man. If you enjoyed the Pure Now show, you can check out more episodes at balancestudio.tv or anywhere fine podcasts are broadcast. Pure Now is produced and engineered by Hai Ha Dang and directed by Dong Wun Guan. Special thanks to our media sponsor, Maybe and iDesign.vn. Thanks so much for watching.